Hi, I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson from South Park Church. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We're continuing in our series called Unafraid, in which we're examining our fears and how we can overcome them. It's based upon a book by Pastor Adam Hamilton. If you've not yet had a chance to pick up a copy, I would encourage you to do that. It's a great book to read and goes along with what we're talking about. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I post something on social media or send someone uh, an email or a text or leave someone a voicemail and they don't get back to me uh, in a timely manner, sometimes my mind just goes to the negative. Oh, maybe they don't like me and they're not putting a lot of likes and comments on my post or maybe they're mad at me and they haven't gotten back to, to me through text or email or through the, through the voicemail calling me back. And so I sometimes just go immediately, automatically, to the negative and assume the worst. It's uh, what behavioral scientists or behavioral therapists actually call catastrophic thinking. We assume the worst and we just, our minds go there immediately. Then the, the opposite to that would be controlled thinking to say, okay, let's take a mental timeout and let's truly analyze the situation. Let's think about that. Okay, so maybe they don't like what I posted on social media. Maybe they didn't comment on that. Is that the end of the world? Probably not. It's okay if people don't like everything that we post on social media. Or, hey, they haven't called me back. You know, maybe they're just busy. Maybe they haven't gotten the message yet. Maybe they haven't opened the message. And so maybe I'm just making a big deal out of nothing. So moving from that automatic gut reaction to controlled thinking, I think is a helpful way for us to deal with some of these fears that just pop up. Now, obviously, sometimes our gut reactions are, are right and we should trust them but sometimes we just go directly to the worst case scenario and that can get us into trouble. Maybe you remember the children's story about Chicken Little, the little chicken that got hit on the head with an acorn and he thought instead of an acorn it was the sky that was falling and so he went around telling every animal that he could come into contact with the sky is falling, the sky is falling. The other animals ran around with him doing that and pretty soon they ran into a fox and the fox took full advantage of their paranoia, their anxiety, their automatic thinking that was just targeted in the wrong direction, invited them back to his den, and he devoured them, and he ate them. And so sometimes our automatic thinking going to the catastrophic level can really be bad for us. Uh, and I want to think about what that might could look like. Let's, let's think about this. Between the year 2001 and 2018, uh, in America... Uh, four of the top ways that people dis died, you know, tragically, very sadly, uh, were automobile accidents, terrorism, uh, lightning strikes, and murder. Now, they're not necessarily the top of all of the deaths, but those are four main categories. And I just would invite you maybe to think about, of those four categories, uh, which was the most deadliest, which was the second most deadliest, which was the third, and which was the fourth. And so again, we've got automobile accidents, we've got lightning strikes, we've got murder, you know, domestic murder in America against one another, and then terrorism. And, and by that, to clarify, I'm talking about terrorists who come to America and kill people in the name of Islam. And I want to be real careful here because uh, I don't think that the people who are the, the self-acclaimed terrorists really represent the, the religion of Islam correctly. There's over 1.5 billion Muslims in the world, and there's a handful of, of terrorists who claim to be acting on behalf of Islam. And I think most all of the, the Muslims don't agree with that and say that's not who we are, and, and they're not representative. So I want to be real clear 
in clarifying that today. But of those four uh, ways that people died, sadly, which would you think was first, second, third, and fourth uh, most deadliest? Well, the answer is the most people died from automobile accidents, about 560,000 people. Uh, the second would be murder. That was about 160,000 people. The third most would be lightning strikes, and that was like 9,600 people. And then the fourth uh, of these four uh, ways that people died was terrorism, uh, and that was 94 people. And, you know, when you look at those numbers, uh, which do you think in America would people be the most afraid of? Uh, and I think... We probably all, based upon media and interactions socially over the past, you know, 2001, 2018, probably international, uh, the terrorism would be the top of the list. We got to be scared of the terrorists. But, you know, actually, we're 7,000 times more likely to die in a car accident. Uh, we're 2,000 times more likely to be murdered by, you know, someone that lives in proximity to us. Uh, and we're 120 times more likely to be struck by lightning. But you don't hear a lot of people freaking about, oh, we need to make the world safer from lightning uh, sort of things. And so it's just very interesting. The automatic thinking is we probably have more to fear from a terrorist than we do a lightning strike. But the control thinking says the opposite of that. And so, again, it's just very interesting about the automatic thinking versus the controlled thinking. And just one, you know, one additional note on the 94 people that were killed by international terrorists. That's 94 people too many. Uh, and I think we should be scared of terrorism. It, it's frightening, and it's meant to be. And I think the reason, one reason that number is lower than the other things that I mentioned is that we have law enforcement who are doing a great job, and they're preventing terrorist acts. And so we want to be sure that we mention that clearly. Uh, but again, it seems like some of our automatic thinking doesn't line up necessarily with the facts. We have more to fear from car accidents than we do from terrorists in our everyday life. So how do we make that shift from automatic thinking to controlled thinking? I want to go to the Bible and just uh, look at some words from Jesus in John's Gospel. John uh, is one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He's recounting some of the things that Jesus says. And this is what he says, uh, what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32. Uh, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? When we know the truth, it, it sets us free in so many ways. Obviously, the truth is that Jesus is Lord, is Lord of the world and the universe and can be our Savior. Right? That's the number one truth, obviously, that's going on with Jesus. But I think Jesus says all truth is good. And so maybe to prevent that catastrophic thinking, that initial jerk, knee-jerk reaction to, to fear things is, hey, stop, let's analyze the facts, and let's see controlled thinking, what it can do for us, and how we can find out what we really need to fear and what we don't need to worry about at all or maybe just worry about it less because we understand the facts. I'm going to uh, ask uh, that we throw up the slide from last week where we did the, uh, the acronym for fear. And I think it'd be good for us to, to focus on the second one in, in the fear acronym, and that's examine your assumptions in light of the facts. Examine your assumptions in light of the facts. Right? Let's see what the truth is. Right? Our automatic thinking says this. But what does our controlled thinking teach us? Let's let's do some fact checking on this. Let's let's analyze this. Let's let's don't just react with our emotions. Let's use our reason that God has given us, our experience, those sorts of things. Talk to other people, kind of weigh in about this. Controlled thinking over automatic thinking. Because again, sometimes that automatic knee-jerk reaction of fear can be helpful, but sometimes it's the wrong one. I uh, want to dive back now into the Bible 
We're going to go back to the book of Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible, and we're going to learn about the very first homicide, the first murder in the Bible. It, these, it was two uh, sons. Two sons were born to Adam and Eve, the first humans, uh, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel both offered a sacrifice to God. God accepted Abel's. God did not accept Cain's. Right? We're not quite sure exactly why that is, and that we don't want to really have time to dive into that today. That's a whole other story. We could do a whole other series on that. But, uh, but the point is, after that, Cain was mad. Uh, and Cain was jealous, and I uh, think Cain probably had some fear in his life. He, he feared that he wasn't good enough. He didn't stack up to his brother, and so ultimately Cain killed his brother. Uh, just that automatic reaction of, I'm not good enough, I'm angry, I'm jealous, I'm, I'm scared, God doesn't love me as much as my brother, and so Cain does this horrible thing in reaction to that automatic thinking that's, that's going on in his life. Of course, I'm you know, reading things back into a story that's thousands of years old, making some assumptions. Uh, but I, I think that's a fair thing that we can do in, in, in analyzing this story. Um, and then this verse, right before Cain kills Abel, God knows something's going on in Cain's heart, and he's struggling with this. And all these automatic gut reactions, these emotions are just overrunning Cain. And this is what God says to Cain before he kills Abel. He says this, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. To me, it's kind of like God has given Cain another chance. You messed up, but you know what's right. Let's do the right thing. Let's, let's forget about the sacrifice that wasn't accepted. Let's move forward. You have a chance to do the right thing. Right? You're battling some emotions that are not necessarily serving you well, but you have a choice, Cain. So let's, let's shift the thinking. Uh, and I, again, I'm bringing in the words that I'm using today. Let's control our thoughts and do the right thing. Because if not, sin, doing the wrong thing, is ready to pounce on you, right? ready to take advantage of your anxiety, ready to take advantage of your fear and your jealousy and, and your anger, ready to, 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 to just run with this automatic thinking. So let's, let's do some controlled thinking. But of course, Cain doesn't do that. And he kills his brother, and it's tragic. And the first homicide happens, uh, and we obviously continue to do terrible things in our lives. So getting a control of our emotions and our thoughts, right? God says, we have a choice. We have a choice to do the right thing. We have a choice to analyze these things. And so let's do that. Let's do that. Let's examine our assumptions in light of the facts. Because again, sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we get it wrong. Back in the 1930s during the Great Depression in America, just one of the worst times that our country's gone through, uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, led well. He has the famous speech of the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself, and he helped get the nation through the Great Depression. And uh, he did the fireside chats. It's inspired our fireside chats that we do Monday through Friday uh, through social media on our, on our website and, and all those good things. And so... He did a lot of good things, a lot of good controlled thinking. But then World War II comes, and uh, Japan gets involved in the war fighting against Americans, uh, and people living in America get scared of, of Japanese Americans because they think they might be in league with, the, with those who were fighting against us in the war. And so FDR issues a, you know, a presidential mandate that sends 100,000 Japanese Americans into internment camps. Why? Because the nation was scared. The nation had the automatic thinking of, oh, everyone who looks Japanese must be a bad guy, so let's put them into internment camps. And again, got us into a lot of trouble. That's not a beautiful part of our history. Right? So sometimes we get it right, 
and sometimes we don't. And the consequences can be pretty severe when we, when we have an extreme fear of others that's not justified. Uh, and so I think that's something that we need to think about. And then, of course, now we're in COVID-19. We're in the coronavirus. There's a lot of fear going around. We're scared of getting the virus. We're scared of other people who have the virus transmitting it to us. We're scared of running out of resources, out of food and toilet paper and all kinds of things. We are scared of, uh, of again, getting that virus, getting sick. We're scared that we're going to lose our jobs. We're scared that we're going to run out of money. So there's a lot of fear. Now we're encouraged to wear masks when we go out into public, and, and that's a good thing to, to prevent spreading the coronavirus. I uh, read a, an article, though, about this recently, and it just kind of broke my heart. Uh, and it was written by an African-American gentleman who said that he refuses to wear a COVID mask. And it's, it's not because he doesn't want to transmit possible germs or stop germs from coming to him. But he says as an African-American man living in the United States, he's more afraid that when people would see him in a mask that they would view him as a threat, as a thief, as a robber, as a thug. And so he would rather take the chance of getting the coronavirus than wearing a mask because he fears how other people in our society would treat him and view him, which, you know, to me is, is tragic. It breaks my heart. I mean, you see me, I hold up one of these masks uh, that my neighbor made for me. And if you see this with me as a, as a white male, you're like, Hey, you know, maybe Pastor Kyle's taking care of himself. Hey, it might look a little bit funny. But if my skin were black, you would probably, or maybe not you, but a lot of people in the United States would have a different gut reaction. Might make them think twice about looking at that person if they had darker skin, which to me is very sad. And it taps into that challenge of what's our gut reaction? What do we think about other people? Uh, some of these stereotypes that we've grown up with and been taught that we have to overcome that with uh, intentional thinking, right? With controlled thinking rather than the automatic thinking that we can't let fear drive our emotions and override our reason. And so it's something that we really need to be conscious about and really focus on that. Uh, I think another thing that we're scared about right now with coronavirus uh, in America is uh, our politicians. Uh, we're scared that they are not doing enough, that they didn't do enough soon enough. And so there's a lot of fear about that. Uh, and I'd just like to say, I think all of our leaders need our prayers, our local leaders, our state leaders, our national leaders, international leaders. I can't imagine being an elected official right now, how difficult that must be trying to balance, you know, how do we get the economy going again? How do we keep people safe from the coronavirus so we don't flood the hospitals? It's, it's kind of like, right, we're in trouble if we do one thing, we're in trouble with, if we do the other thing. And so... I think more than criticize, we should pray for our leaders and just keep them in our hearts, keep them in our minds. Um, but in the meantime, there's a lot of stress about politics. And we have Democrats and Republicans blaming, blaming each other for the state of the country and that we should have handled it differently or we could have done this better. Uh, we have the president and the governor struggling over when to open states back up. There's a struggle, of course, against does the economy uh, become more important than saving lives from the coronavirus. And so there's a lot of finger pointing. And of course, we're also in the midst of an election season. So it's even more heightened. And what usually happens in election seasons is politicians are able to, to push our fear buttons and they can weaponize or even monetize fear, right? If you're scared of this, then vote for me and I'll take care of you. If you're scared of this, then vote for me and, and I will take care of you. And so there's a lot of mistrust of politicians right now. And and, and, and we're scared of what they will or won't do. 
And so there's a lot of fear mongering going on, and it's, it's easy to stir people up against the other party, against the Democrats or against the Republicans. Uh, and, and again, we shift back to this automatic thinking of, man, I'm scared, and I know you're going to watch out for me. And so I think we really got to be careful in that. I think ultimately we're a lot more alike than we want to admit. And when you think about traditional uh, and conservative, you think about liberal, uh, you know, I think from a, a traditional conservative type of standpoint, that means that ultimately we don't want to see a lot of change. We want to keep some things the same that we value. And then a more liberal mindset would be that we want to see some change. Some things need to change. Some things need to get better. And if we're honest in our own lives, we have both of those things going on. There's things in our lives that we want to keep the same, that we value and, and we hold dear. And it's, it's, a, it's a good tradition and worth continuing. And then there's some things in our lives that, that aren't going well. And we need to change those. And, and we need to make some uh, different changes in, in our lives and, and make some different decisions. And so... All of us at some level are traditional. All of us at some level are con, you know, conservative. And some of us are liberal. We, we want to see change in our lives. So there's a little bit of both in each of us. And, and maybe we need to consider that as part of our controlled thinking, that maybe we're more alike uh, than we really want to admit. Um, I heard a saying that says, old is not always gold and new is not always true. Right? Not everything needs to be kept the same and not everything that's new is going to be better and so old uh, is not always gold and new is not always true i think that's a pretty interesting thing now what, what's even more interesting is you think about the politics that are going on with some of jesus's disciples back in the first century in israel uh, he had two disciples well actually you know 12 main disciples but two of them matthew and simon the zealot were on extreme opposite political uh spheres Right, so Matthew, for most of all his life, he worked for the Roman government. He was a tax collector. He profited from that. And he was, I'm sure, maybe most likely in, in favor of Rome. At, at the very least, he profited from Rome and he was employed by Rome. And so obviously he stopped being a tax collector when he followed Jesus, but possibly some really strong pro-Roman thinking in Matthew. Possibly. He, he was with Rome for a long time. Then the other hand was Simon, the zealot. His whole job as zealot was to overthrow the Roman government. And so I think it'd be interesting to have sat down and listened to Matthew and Simon at the dinner table with Jesus and the other disciples get into a political discussion. That, that might have been interesting. Matthew might have moved on from Rome. But in any case, I think the potential for an interesting conversation is certainly there. What's also even really cool is that Jesus called both of them from different political uh, standpoints, opposite political standpoints, to be a part of his 12 disciples. He said, there's a place at the table for both of you. I care about both of you. There's not us and them. It's just us. And you're part of my team. Right? And I think that's true today. I think when we fear the Democrats or we fear the Republicans or we fear someone who's different than us, that, that Jesus says, I love all of you. You're all my children, and there's a seat for you at the table. And I need you to, to practice some controlled thinking and let some of those knee-jerk reactions, the, the prejudice stuff that we have going on in our hearts, we need to really examine that. We need to find out what the truth is. We need to examine those assumptions uh, in light of the facts. And, and the fact is, Jesus says, I've welcomed all types into my, my inner circle. And so if I can do that, I think that's something that you might ought to consider as well. A couple more cool passages of Scripture as we think about this. I want to uh, dive in here. This is from 1 John. It's a letter that was written. It's part of our New Testament. And uh, 1 John uh, 4.18 says this, There's no fear in love. 
but perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Right? And so how do we get rid of fear? We love through it. Right? And in the Bible, love is more than an emotion. It's, more, it's actually more of an action than an emotion. Right? Love in the Bible is an action more so than an emotion. Right? So how do we drive out fear? We, we love people. We're good to people. We're nice to people. We, we treat people like Jesus treats us. Right? That's the way we drive out fear. Right? And then from Paul, it's a letter to the Romans. Paul is a first century pastor, started a lot of churches, and then he wrote them letters. This is his letter to uh, the Roman church, and this is what he has to say about it. If at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, right? Killing with kindness, so to speak. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right? So Paul takes it to a whole new level. Not just people that we're scared of, but our enemies, we should love. We should take care of them. We should be nice to them. And right, that's so countercultural to our world. It's so countercultural to who we are as Americans, right? loving our enemies and being kind to those who are different or we're scared of. Uh, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a challenge that Jesus gives to us. But again, it's casting out fear through love. So what's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway today. Uh, I think when we look at these scriptures in the context of what we've been talking about, I think it comes down to this. We drive out fear when we overrun with love. We drive out fear when we overrun with love. We chase away fear. We drive it out when we are full of love and it just flows out of us. We're overrun with it, right? We drive out fear when we overrun with love. Okay, so Maybe think about it in these terms. Oh, you're voting for President Trump. I totally disagree with that, but I love you anyway. Hey, you're voting for Joe Biden. I totally disagree with that, but I love you anyway. We're not going to let fear of others. We're not going to let fear get in our way. We drive out fear when we overrun with love. So what could that look like? What could that look like in our, in our lives? I want to give you a few challenges to do that, to drive out fear this week to be overrun with love. And these maybe are a few things you can think about. Pick one or two of them. I think one thing is when we fear someone and we put in a, a difficult position, maybe before we act, we ask ourselves a question. What's the most loving response that I can offer right now? What is the most loving response that I can offer through my actions right now? That before we get the knee-jerk reaction and then just run with our first thought, right? To take a time out and say, what? is the most loving thing that I can do in this situation right now. That's a great way for us to drive out fear and be overrun with love. I think another thing that we can do is intentionally in our lives use the automatic thinking and the controlled thinking when we are scared, right? When we, when we get scared, when we're scared of someone else, someone who's different than us, who might be a threat to us, that we, okay, say, this is my automatic thinking. Should I trust my instinct? Uh, and let's look at the controlled thinking. Let me look at the facts. Let me analyze this situation. Maybe this is a scary person, and we should be scared of them and get away from them. That, that could be a great outcome. Or it could be the situation is, is not as scary as I thought it was, and I don't need to go with my first reaction or my knee-jerk reaction. To think in terms of automatic thinking, controlled thinking, take a mental timeout, 
and talk to yourself in your mind. Say, okay, is this rational? Is it not? I think that's a great place that we can start. Uh, I think another thing that we could do is when we watch news or we read news online or on the newspaper or TV or whatever, let's look at different sources, right? There's, there's liberal news, there's conservative news. Let's watch some different sources. We don't have to agree with all of them, but it will help us understand people who we are different from and who we might be afraid of or, or have some caution towards, and we can begin to understand maybe what, what they're thinking. Maybe another thing to do is just get to know some people that we might be a little apprehensive about. Of course, we want to make sure that we're safe in that, but to give it a shot to begin to establish relationships with people who are different than us. Give it a chance with people who are different with us. I think another thing that we could do is continue with our uh, daily devotions that we send out. And so we're going to put a little link down here uh, in the comments page about how you can connect with those devotions. Uh, that's just a great thing that, that we can do. And so it would encourage you uh, to do that uh, as well. So again, several options that we have. And then finally, uh, something that I like to do when I'm afraid is ask a question. Uh, if I am afraid of this, who will profit from that? Who will gain from that? If, if I'm afraid of this, who might take advantage of that fear? Who might manipulate that fear? Who could profit? If I'm afraid of this, Will it make me want to buy this to protect myself? If I'm afraid of this, will it make me want to vote for this politician to, to make me feel safer? Sometimes I think we're manipulated. And again, that fear is used as a weapon. Fear is used as a way to make money. So if I'm scared of this and I run with that, who's going to profit from that? Who's going to prosper from that? And do I want to allow myself to be manipulated by that? So about six things that you can do this week. Maybe pick one or two as a way for us to drive out fear and be overrun with love. Now, I know a lot of you who are watching personally, uh, and a lot of you I don't know, and I look forward to getting to know you. But the ones that, that I do know who are watching, I know that we're a mixed group. We're young and old. We're black and white. We're uh, male and female. We're rich and poor. We're Democrat and Republican. And we don't always agree on everything. And sometimes we get mad at each other or jealous of each other. Sometimes we're, we're scared of each other. Sometimes we're just not sure what to make of each other. And yet what brings us together is God's love. And I think we're a lot like Matthew and Simon, the disciples, that, that Jesus sees that we all have value. We all have something to bring to the table, that we've been created in God's image. God has great plans for our lives to live life to the full and God loves us all and wants us to work together. And so the, the power of Jesus can, can overcome our fear, help us overcome our fear of other people, and bring us together to make this world a better place. So drive out some fear this week. Be overrun with the love of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Now I'm excited that we continue in our worship service as I invite uh, Dr. Katie Ann McCarthy and our chancel choir uh, to lead us in this song. 